Um, tonight's lesson is entitled Practical Applications. Um, Tim, can you throw the uh, presentation up there for me? Thank you. Perfect. Uh, tonight's uh, Practical Application. And so in this session, Dr. Beaky kind of, he kind of summarizes, he, he puts together much of what we've, we've studied kind of throughout the entire series. Um, he, and he does it in the form of answering two questions. Two questions that he, he kind of gets most often about this topic of assurance. And it's interesting because Dr. Beaky actually did his uh, doctoral thesis on this um, doctrine. And he's been a pastor now for years, and, and he's counseled many people through this, uh, this scenario, this kind of situation, doubting their, their faith and, and not having assurance. And so uh, I think as he teaches this, the, the session, uh, the final session, you can really kind of tell the, the pastoral heart and, and care that he has for those who are dealing with this, with doubt and with, with lack of confidence and lack of assurance in their, their spiritual state before God. And so... Um, Tonight we'll begin uh, reading a, a single verse, and we're gonna, and it's from the book of Mark. Um, you might remember this is when Jesus is speaking to uh, the father of a boy uh, possessed by a demon that, that made him convulse and and to shake and foam at the mouth, and it says that he he fell into the fire and to be burned. He fell into water and. Um, trying to keep him from drowning and, and that kind of thing um, when, when he would have these fits. And, and the boy's father asked Jesus to come and heal him, to heal the, his son. And Jesus says to him, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then the father responds with this, I believe, help my unbelief. And so we're going to see tonight in a, later an, in a quote that incorporates this verse regarding doubt, but also it very much should be kind of the, the statement of, of all of our hearts. We, we believe, help our unbelief. And so, as, we, as I said earlier, there, there are two basic questions that we're going to, going to look at tonight and work through and um, the way we're, Dr. Beaky approaches this is he kind of um, uses it to, to do a synopsis or kind of a review of what we've studied. And so it works really well. Um, the first question he says he gets a lot of times is somebody will say, I, I know that I'm a believer, right? I, I can't deny that I am a true believer. But what about, what should I do if I don't feel close to God? If I don't feel very assured that I'm saved, what, what should I do? And so in response to this, um, we're going to see 10 points or 10 steps to take towards greater assurance. And so the first of these is to pray to God that he will grant you light of his spirit and show you that you are saved. So saying pray for the illumination of the spirit to your heart and your mind to enable you to see and to judge yourself rightly and see that you are indeed born again. Um, second, uh, we've talked quite a bit about this. Spend time with the promises of Scripture. 
Pray for grace to rest your soul and to anchor your soul in those promises. And maybe promises that have been special to you in the past that you've seen um, and, and they come to mind. We, in our, this last Sunday morning with the youth, we looked at a, a couple of um, promises that, that God makes. We looked at Hebrews 13. It's a quote from Joshua, the Old Testament, and it says, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you nor forsake you. We looked at Philippians 1, verse 6, and Paul writes, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so there's all of these wonderful promises that that God has made to His people in His Word. So we go to these and we trust in them. Third, as an outgrowth kind of of these promises, we go back to the basics of the Gospel. That Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. We rest our souls on those basic truths of the gospel. We think about 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 4. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The, The basics of the gospel message that Christ died and rose to save sinners. Romans 3, 24 and 25. Sinners are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. All of these gospel promises, we flee to them and we rest our souls in them. Fourth, in dependence on the Spirit, examine yourselves by some basic Inward evidences of grace. And again, we talked about this quite a bit. This idea of self-examination. Kind of like Paul tells those in in Corinth. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Um, And we said this, we could, we could, we said to do this, we could look at places in Scripture like the Sermon on the Mount and, and the qualities and the characteristics that Jesus said that a true believer will possess. And we ask ourselves, do we possess those qualities and characteristics? For example, have we learned to mourn over sin? As in Matthew 5, 3. Do we hunger and thirst after Christ's righteousness? Again, we see that in the Sermon on the Mount. And other questions that we could ask ourselves. We could go to the book of 1 John. Right? It's another great place to see these, these characteristics by which we should examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Next, ask the Spirit to bear witness with your conscience through the Word of God that you are indeed a true believer witnessing with your spirit. Um, we, we talked about this in one of the lessons we had and coming from Romans eight sixteen and seeing that there are special times when, when the Spirit might use the written word in a special way in our souls to resonate with us in a very unique way that we are indeed children of God. And so we ask the Lord for that. Number six, use the spiritual disciplines diligently, 
especially reading and meditating on the Word and prayer. And, and these disciplines are something that have to be developed. They have to, to be intentionally done, right? We must be consistent and persistent in our time in the Word and in prayer to the Lord if we are to have assurance. Number seven, resolve before God to turn from your ungodly belief to flee the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and all worldliness and known sin and run the race set before you, laying aside sin and looking to Jesus. So this, this idea of seeking to honor the Lord with all that we are, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, to pursue righteousness, to pursue purity, to seek after obedience to the law of God. And not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved. Dr. Beeky said this, You see, if the world is as empty as Christians say it is, and Jesus is as real and full and rich as Christians say he is, how foolish it is to live for this world. If Jesus is real, he's worth everything. You will never be sorry. Um, and he goes on and he, he talks about how through the years in ministry, he's heard a lot of people talk about things that they regretted, things that they wished that they have done. They, they wish they hadn't spent so much time away from family or, or hadn't lived for their jobs or success or money. But he says he's never heard someone at the end of their lives say that they, regre they regretted all the time they spent with Jesus. Never heard anybody say that. All the time they spent in his word and prayer before him. That's not what people say. And so we will never regret living our lives for him. Number eight, remember that your true identity is in Christ. As believers, that's who we are. We are united to Him by faith. He is in us and we are in Him. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We are united to Him. We are Hidden in Him, Paul says in Colossians. Our identity is in Him. Number nine. Consider in your own heart and mind the solemnity and the seriousness of what the Puritans called the last four things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. It's what we, we all face. Right? Death, the judgment, eternity in either heaven or hell. And in a very real way, our whole lives are, are preparation for that moment when we meet Jesus. We will see him and, and he will say to us, either well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Or he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Last four things. It's a very sobering thing to think about, to consider. Number 10. 
Be comforted by God's faithful track record to you over the years. If we've been professing believers for any length of time, we know that God has worked in incredible ways in our lives. He's provided. He's protected. He is comforted. He's restored. Um, done all these things for us. And I really like this quote um, that Dr. Beaky had. He said, God has always been better to you than you have been to him. We've disobeyed. We've offended him. Um, we've belittled him by our sin and our self-centeredness. But he always works for our good. He's always been better to us than we have to him. And so, uh, when you find yourself asking what, what to do if you don't feel close to God, these are ten steps to take that can, can put you on a path to hopefully a greater closeness, a, a greater relationship with Him and greater assurance. Uh, the second question that he says he gets asked a lot is this one. How can I possess assurance when I still so often doubt? You know, those who, who just struggle in their minds with doubting their salvation. Are, are they really born again? Are they really saved? And he begins addressing this question with a couple of quotes. And the first one from John Calvin who wrote, It is ordinary for believers, even assured believers, such as Abraham, David, and Jeremiah, to have doubts at times. Doubt seeks to dislodge faith in nearly every pilgrim traveling to the celestial city at one time or another. So in a sense, we can be encouraged somewhat that we're not alone in this battle, right? This, this is something that happens. Second quote is from a, a Puritan named William um, Googe. And he wrote this, The presence of doubt does not mean that faith is absent, as David, of course, and the other psalmists make abundantly clear in the Psalms. When we believers doubt the reality of our faith, we must remember that our doubt does not arise out of faith but out of our flesh's weakness. Hence the cry of the father of the demoniac, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And then in, uh, we go on and look at a series of, of bullet points about doubt in the life of the believer. And the first of those is that doubt is unbelief, and unbelief is always sinful, and the root cause of all sin. And as such, we see that God uh, never recommends, He never praises doubt, and ra rather He rebukes it. Uh, we see an example of this after Jesus' resurrection, when He appears to the disciples. And Jesus says, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Also, doubt robs God of His glory, and it makes Christianity look weak and ineffective to a watching world. 
Doubt is dangerous. It's dangerous for us. It, it tends to put our feelings ahead of our faith. Right? Feelings are, are fickle. Feelings change. They're not authoritative. Um, that also distracts us from serving Jesus wholeheartedly. Um, denies the answer to prayer. Robs us of the joy of our salvation. And it challenges the bedrock belief that salvation is by faith. So then doubt is not to be fooled with. It's not to be um, flirted with. It's to be rooted out and dealt with as quickly as possible because it's dangerous. We also see here two, two remedies for doubt. Two remedies. First, address doubts honestly in your mind head on. In other words, don't deal lightly with it. Don't think, you know, it's not a big deal. It'll take care of itself. It'll it'll go away on its own. No, that's not what we need to do. We need to to recognize the danger of doubt. We need to confess our doubts to God. And also, we need to put to use the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and seek their counsel. And then, in your own life privately, go to Scripture. Go to other biblical literature. Um, Solid things that have been written by men of faith through history. Um, And go to, to the spiritual disciplines for a resolution to doubt. But... Again, go ahead and deal with it. See it for what it is and work to resolve it. Secondly, let your triune God's work overshadow Satan's work. Trust in Christ, your great high priest. Ask ask for the Spirit's grace to obey Jesus' words to Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Be sure that in your own mind, in your heart, in your soul, that you're seeking to fight this doubt and to believe the promises of God in His Word. I want to end our time together tonight with, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but just the, the words of Fanny Crosby's hymn, Blessed Assurance. This is what it says. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. What a foretaste of glory divine. An heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit and washed in His blood. May the Lord grant us to, to take all that we've learned these past weeks from this study and to have, have ever greater assurance that we are, in fact, children of God. So let's pray together. Father, we, again, thank you for the study. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would, uh, Father, enable us to, uh, to fight for assurance. Lord, to love you and to serve you.
And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.